0: people are the greatest treasure we can ever have. The Bible is really clear on that, that you can work and labor and leave this world with a lot of money, but you leave a lot of money in this world when you leave. That the only thing we take to heaven are our relationships. I mean, literally think about it. Your clothes aren't going, your car's not going, your house isn't going. But if you bring your kids into the kingdom, they'll be there. If you lead somebody to Christ and they beat you there, they'll meet you at the gate. Jesus says, store up your treasures in heaven because people are our great reward. They really are. Uh, If you ask most parents, their kids are one of their greatest rewards or their greatest area of sorrow. (laughs) You know, uh, kids are that valuable to us. Your children are your greatest treasure. Well, God's kids are his greatest treasure. How many of you know that not all of God's kids are here this morning? I pray they're all in a body of Christ somewhere. But there is a chance that God has a calling on people's lives who aren't in church this morning. And they're his greatest treasure. And the Bible says he left his comfortable, magnificent throne in heaven to be born on Anunnaki earth because God so loved the world. And Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And a doctor doesn't come for the righteous or the perfect or the holy. Jesus said, I even leave the 99 to go after the one. Why? Because that lost child, a woman that loses one of her 20 coins will tear the house apart to find the lost one. Are we a bride of Christ that's willing to tear the house apart to find the lost one? This morning, um, the next slide, please. This all started for me, uh, I don't know, a year or two ago. I was praying right here, and I'd been reading my Old Testament reading was on the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer. And Jonathan was the son of the first king of Israel and they were totally outnumbered. Him and his dad were about the only ones that had the swords in the whole kingdom army. You know, everybody else probably a pitchfork and a bat. You know, I don't know. And they come across this big garrison of Philistines across the gorge and Jonathan waxed incredibly full of faith. He said, Let's go see what God will do. For it matters not to God whether he wins by many or by few. And God started dealing with me right there because as a church pastor of a small church all his life, I kind of had a little bad attitude about big churches. You know, they really don't save people. They're really impersonal. And God can't save with a big congregation like he can with our intimate congregation. The reality was he can save with many or by few. That's Bible. The early church started out maybe 120. In one day, God added 3,000 congregants to their church. Numbers don't scare God. And somehow they continued to progress. And in fact, they actually grew and they actually got smarter and better. And it said that he added to the church daily. And then the day came when the apostles quit trying to do it all and allowed the people to minister. And after that, in the book of Acts, it says "And the church, multiplied. How did God do that and make them feel like they were important? You know what? There's just some things way above you and my pay grade. There are 7 billion people on this planet. I can't comprehend that number. And the Bible says he knows how many hairs each of them have on their heads. That's how big our God is. He knows when every sparrow falls. And you are way more valuable than a sparrow, he says. So God's brain is way bigger than mine. So I'm praying this and I'm, I'm hearing the Lord say, Ralph, it doesn't matter whether it's a small church or big church. I can save whether by many or by few. And so I began to pray with great faith. I said, God, we were about 140 people at that time, 160, somewhere average. And I began to pray, knowing wisdom is to build the house for the next level. And I began to to pray. I said, in my mind, I'm saying, God, our next level is really we need to build the church as if we're 300. Then as we grow, we'll have the capacity. It's kind of like you're getting ready to have twins. You don't just make a closet their bedroom. You prepare before the babies are born, right? It's just wisdom. It's saying, hey, we're going to get everything ready because once the baby's here, I don't have time to then back up and catch up on the clothes I should have got, the food I should have got, the preparation of the crib I should have got. You want that done beforehand, yes? Wise parents, if you can, yeah. And so you start garnering resources, money. You start reallocating resources for the baby. And some of you dads lost your man cave. And now that your boy is a professional football player and paying for your bills, he was worth it, yes? That's how my dad talked to me. It never quite came to fruition, but he had that vision for me. And I'm praying, and I said, God, help us grow. And in my brain, I was saying 300. And I was right here, and I said, Father, help us build for 3,000. And it froze me in my steps, because 300 was a big ask. And I stopped in my, I noticed I was, and I'm looking at the pulpits right there, and it's like the Lord just spoke through me. And I had to go through the, okay, was that just, I'm really tired, and I had one of those little faux pas moments where your brain burps and you say something you don't mean to say. But I knew I had every intention of saying 300. And then the Lord began to deal with me with the next portion of Scripture with Jonathan the Armor Bearer. Not only can I save by many or by few, but all of a sudden, I heard the armor bearer say to Jonathan, yeah, just two of them, there they are, two of them against this horde of the enemy. And the armor bearer said to Jonathan, do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish, behold, I am with you, heart and soul. And I heard the Lord say, do you want to be my armor bear? Pastor Ralph, do you want to say to me, you know, How many of you know when we pray, we're really good at making a wish to God? Uh, Sometimes we don't have because we don't ask. We need to wish a little more, really. it's not. He doesn't get upset when we wish for things and ask for things. But I had never thought to say to God, Hey, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, big brain God, what's in your mind for the world? Father, I want to say to you as a pastor... This isn't my church, it's your church. These pews are your pews. These walls are your walls. These people are your people. They're not my people. Father, that was a little scary because you know God has a, he could really wish anything. Do you trust him? That he knows enough to wish the right thing. And I said to the Lord that day, Father, do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, as for me and my house, we are with you, heart and soul. We are at a place as a church, as a body of Christ, to make a decision. We're at a decision-making place. We're at the River Jordan. We're not at the Red Sea anymore. You've all been saved. You're born again. You got through the Red Sea. You've been baptized all in one body. Now we're at the River Jordan. We've had 40 years where God was miraculous. He didn't do anything wrong. And he loved us right where we were at. And we got fed manna, our clothes never wore out, and we never got sick. Who'd want to leave that? But that's where we're at. And Susie and I just wanted to share with you, we're aware as the shepherds of this house, the under-shepherds, under the master-shepherd, that we're at a place where he's saying to us as a body of Christ do you want to go over into the promised land but but remember the manna will stop your clothes will start to wear out it's going to take a little more work on your part but you can have as much land as you want you're going into a land full of (laughs) what overflowing Milk milk and honey You know, they didn't have that much back in the wilderness. This is. It, and we have to decide, too, if we want to marry Jesus. You know, he lets us decide that. None of you wives nowadays were probably forced with a parental edict you will marry this man. You had a choice. And it's a scary choice when you look at who Susie had to marry. <laughs> right? We have a choice as a body of Christ. Do we want to be the bride of Christ? This is the decision today. Because I'm going to tell you when you marry Father Jesus, he wants babies. Your life's going to change as you know it. You're going to lose some control. You won't get to be independent. You'll have to enter into him. And Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. And so we're appealing to you as a mother and father. Are we ready to get married to Jesus and recommit our vows, redo our vows, and say we're not too old to have babies? I'm going to turn this over to you, Mother Susie.
1: Um, when Ralph and I took a month off in... And- July, July, and we didn't realize the deep thing that God did within us during that time. We're feeling it more and more and more. Um, It's like I told somebody, it's like the cobwebs were taken off of my eyes. And I do wanna say this, we have been so privileged and so happy and And feel like we have an amazing congregation, and we aren't saying well where we was was not good we're we're saying this is the timing of the Lord, um, so I feel like god's pleased yeah. um, and yeah. but there's a challenge that is coming forth. A lot of you know that Ralph and I have never been able to have children um, we even tried to adopt through three different agents, agencies and the doors just never opened and we call it the dark night of our soul um what and maybe this is the way it is with everybody who has something that brings grief in their life what's interesting is that at our age that yearning to have a child has not diminished mm-hmm. you'd think it would But at our age, there's still that yearning. In fact, in some areas, it has increased because my peers all have grandchildren. And so it's not just children and grandchildren. Some of you even have great-grandchildren. And um, it makes me a bit emotional to talk about it, but um, it's our reality. And I had to decide a long time ago, you know, there's... There's a million ways that the enemy would like for us to die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not always by us um, not breathing. There's a million ways that he would like for us to die. And, and we had to make a decision that we would decide, how are we going to live? Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that I, I never understood uh, going through this journey was, God, why the heck... <laughs> <laughs> did you give Ralph and I a mother's and father's heart? Because we know couples who have chosen not to have children, and they aren't wrong, they aren't bad, and they're very happy, and they're very blessed, and I think, what a miracle that you are able to have that not turned on in you. So, God, I don't understand why there is this yearning in Ralph and I to be a a mother and a father, and it's It's really troubled me a lot. And there's uh, honestly, when bad things happen to good people, I can't wrap my brain around a lot of it. I just know who I trust. Mm -hmm. But this last week, it was like all of a sudden, oh, I could have had a V8. It was like I suddenly realized that we don't have just a mother and father's heart, but that we have God's heart. And there's a, a scripture in Samuel, um, Hannah could not have children. You know, in the, in the Bible, they're really blunt. It says she was barren. I hate that word. It says that being barren was a reproach. You were looked down on because the fact that Ralph and I have no children means that Ralph's and Susie line stops when we die. There is no continuing of our family line. And Elkanah comes to Hannah, who is barren, and he says, Why are you crying? Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. <laughs> Isn't that better than having ten sons? <laughs> and what I realize is that when God took the the web away from my eyes during the summer it's like he returned me to my first love, he returned Ralph to his first love, our love for Jesus and our love for people who don't know him and and we deal a lot in a church with minutia, we deal with what color paint and what are the finances and is this program going And and it's just, we have just been struck with you know what, it's all about people and There is a spirit that would like to say, um, you have us. Isn't that better than having a whole bunch of people come in that don't know Jesus? And it's not. (laughs) It's God's heart in us. And I I don't even want to apologize for it. It said, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord, and she made this vow O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer, and give us children, then I will give them back to you, and they will be yours for their entire lifetime. That is God's heart, and I want you to know that's Ralph and Susie's heart. We've had more memories fled us this week. We talked about how when Ralph was going to the University of Idaho, and we didn't know how not to have a Bible study in our home. We didn't know how not to have young people in our home. It There was a drive in us to have relationship, and then when we were pastors in Kellogg, it was like we didn't know how not to to have relationships with young people as, as youth pastors. We didn't know how not to open up our door at midnight when somebody's standing there drunk and saying, yes, you can come in, yes, we don't want you to drive, please come in, and and God gave us miracle after miracle, and I, it's just my heart. God's heart is, He has given us you so that we can be equipped now to go fishing. And we will not be satisfied. Why did God send Ralph and Susie Lowe down here in 2007? See, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God did it, and it was because we were the perfect fit for what He wanted. That's, little, that's not being vain. I know we were a perfect fit, and I know it's because we have His heart, and that we need those of you who will labor, who will volunteer, but we, as your pastors, I'm sorry, this is the way it is. We are not going to be satisfied until we start having people walk in those doors who don't know Jesus. And I have to tell you, you are more than equipped to talk to somebody about Jesus. Don't think you have to do cold calls where you're knocking on somebody's door or you're picking up a telephone. But what he is asking you to do is who do you have a relationship with? And if you see they are downcast, can you not say, you know what? I've got something you need. I picture Jesus inside of me, and I'm talking to somebody, and Jesus is going, introduce me to him, introduce me to him. I want to know him. I I, I see what's in their heart. Introduce me to him, and I can get shy and I can get intimidated. I'm not as outgoing as he is, but you know what? If you have relationship, you're going. My Jesus wants to be introduced to you and he wants to change your life Amen. he wants to change your life and for some of you may say susie you're throwing this in the d- deep end if you're going to um ask this of us you know what this is just what being a follower of jesus christ is like we weren't meant to be a fortress here we are meant to go outside of these walls and if uh <laughs> if you're saying oh that really really scares me at least Lean into everything that will help to disciple those people that once they're here. If, if you're saying, maybe I'm too isolated, or maybe I don't even have non-Christian friends, then everything that we can offer where we are having small groups, or, or we're doing something special, or with the children, or lean into it because God's heart is, as Ralph said, God's so a loved people that he gave his son that none should perish and as your pastors we will not be satisfied with just having a church with no new babies no new christians and and this is really not you feel so sober to me it's like guys this is really exciting You will never be bored, ever. If you're saying, okay, God, I'm really scared, but make me sensitive to whoever I'm running in today, whoever I'm going to make me sensitive, and then put your seatbelt on, because he will make you sensitive to those people that are just on the verge of accepting him. It says that Jesus was moved with compassion his compassion for other people moved him outside of his comfort zone he'd be heading this direction and all of a sudden he'd be moved with compassion over to this person over here that if you ask him he will do that in you i am not outgoing but he has done that in me And he will allow you to take somebody by the hand. You will stand in the gap between heaven and hell. And then you will disciple them. You, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you're not just a believer. You're not just a believer. It says the devil believes in God. You aren't just a believer. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And he says, if you're my disciple, then you're going to go. And you're going to seek those who are lost. As a mother and father's heart, as God's heart, we will not be satisfied until there are babies. And I feel like God just took the blinders off and says, remember how you used to feel? Remember how you longed to talk to somebody who didn't know me? I'm doing that again, church. He's doing that. This will be a fishing hole place where you will learn how to fish. That's God's prophetic word to us. That's That's our mission. We will fish, and we will disciple, and we will fish, and we will disciple. And fishing stinks. There are, there are, fish are smelly, you know, and we're going have to have to get our hands dirty. But it's not going to be hard to not have any evil imagination. It's going to be exciting. And when that person is sitting next to you in church, and they're, they're going to ask you questions, not us. They're going to ask you. You will disciple them into the kingdom, and then you will release them to go fishing.
0: What do you think about this scripture, Susie, that God's given us this scripture two years in a row in Isaiah 54.1? Sing, barren woman who has it's never has never had a baby. It's right here. Yeah, we got a new moniker. <laughs> <laughs> Fill the air with song. You who've never experienced childbirth, you're ending up with far more children than all those children bearing women. Go to the next one. God says so. You know, go to the... We've talked about being a Bible-believing church, but are we a Bible-following church? Are we going to... You know, God didn't say just to hear the word, but we do the word, and he said, here's your mission.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm not... It's like Jesus and the apostles. I'm not giving you a new commandment. Yeah. Love one another. Love others as yourself. And now I'm giving you a mission, a commission. Go. Into all the world. Do you not know you're a city set on a hill, Jesus said? Don't hide it under a bushel. What was he saying to his disciples? They were people just like you and me. No way. Peter and Paul, they were, just, they just had, they were like Teflon. Fear just fell off of them. No every time they came back from being beat up by the religious society for saying jesus name in public they would tell their the people that were in their church pray for us that we might speak the word of god with boldness they asked that twice in the scriptures at least paul peter asking please pray that we have boldness of speech because it scared them too but what we find is like susie said i it was really interesting because i've heard for years you know, pastor, shepherds don't have sheep, sheep have sheep, you know. And I think that's true to a point. Susie and I only have the capacity to do so much. You have way bigger capacity. But the Lord kind of convicted me, says, You can't shepherd people if you don't know how to win people to Jesus. And I was noodling over this. I thought, When was the last time I witnessed for Jesus? Just told my story. And yesterday, I'm in the house of our tenants. And they were telling us they want to live there forever. And we're just loving on each other. They, their kids never heard the word Moses. I told the kids a story one time about Moses, and they looked at me blank. And they never, these are American kids that have never heard about Moses. Well, he's not the salvation, but, I mean, that's a stepping stone. Then, obviously, they don't know the story of Jesus. And I'm sitting down with them. We're just having an organic conversation, and all of a sudden, I just said, you guys are such a blessing. I guess I I shouldn't be surprised Jesus. I'd be nuts not to serve him. He's been so good to Susie and I. And it's just that easy. You just tell the story of Jesus. What does he mean to you? And, and of course, they didn't fall on their face, say, you know, save me. But the Bible says an average adult takes seven invitations to Christ before they respond. Now, that's not thus saith the Lord, but they've, they've tracked it. And you know, the older we get, the harder it is to change. And they say most people come to Christ before they're 21. This is why the emphasis for young families, young people, when you're young and malleable, you're open to hear the voice of the Lord. College kids, we loved them. They were just ready to try anything. When you directed them toward Jesus, their life changed, their trajectory changed forever. And we want to change the trajectory earlier than later. But as you get older, they say it takes seven sincere invitations before they make a commitment to come to Christ. So that couple I talked to yesterday, that was about the third time I've talked to him about Jesus. I got four more to go. But who's at work gonna to talk to her or at the college he works at that's gonna to talk to him? And that'll be number four and five. And they'll walk away thinking they got rejected. Man, Matt didn't even listen to me. He doesn't even know. But he has no idea that their landlord's talking to him about Jesus. You do not know how God's working in somebody's life. And you might be one through six, you're going to get rejected six times, so to speak, but you've done your job. You see, Jesus doesn't want anybody to stand before him in heaven and say, it's not my fault, Jesus, you didn't send anybody to me. Jesus is going to want to say, remember when John talked to you at the school? Remember when Michelle talked to you at the grocery store? Remember when Tina talked to you at Nobody will have an excuse if we all just begin to shine our light. And we don't want them to have excuses. We want them to actually come to Jesus. But this scripture goes on and says, the next one, you're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned seas. Do you believe the Bible? Do we like the Bible? Do we like God's word? Go ahead, next one. Don't, isn't this interesting? Don't be afraid. God says that over and over to every one of his people. Joshua didn't want to go over the Jordan. It was scary. Jericho was right there. Giants were over here. And, and God's saying, be of good courage. I'm with you. Yeah. Do you like your Bible? God's with you. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be, what? Isn't that the number one thing? I don't want to be embarrassed at work. You know? I don't want to be embarrassed at my family reunions. I'm going to save my skin. And I know these thoughts bigger than anybody. This is actually how I think at times. Don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. You'll forget all about the humiliations of your youth and the indignities of being a widow will fade from memory. Next. So our husband is Jesus. Our maker is our bridegroom. His name, God of the angel armies. Your redeemer is the holy of Israel, known as God of where? Where? the only one to say (laughs) is in Mark well there's a bunch of scriptures boy when you get into the biblical aspect of what we're talking about this is all Bible and uh, just go to Mark 1 Melissa when I looked at this scripture and Jesus said to them what you're hearing is Susie and I know Jesus is moving out and we're following him and we're just alerting you to where we're going We needed to tell you, if you see us turn and go and move and change and grow, it's because we're just following him. You know, the the, the crack up is we didn't create this growth anyway. Now, I know pastors can get in the way of it. But the reality is, unless the Lord builds a house, we all labor in vain who build it. What you're experiencing is a literal... Listen, we've been pastors for how many years and our church never got this big and we're the same two people. Yeah, we've grown, we've changed. God's grown us for what he has ready for us. This is a miracle we're experiencing. Now, I don't know, I'm guessing we did it again, but our average numbers a while back were about 160, 170. They've now gone to 196. And the last seven Sundays, I think maybe it's eight now, we've been over 200 people in our service. That's a miracle. I'm telling you, it's a miracle. The other thing, in, within 10 years, they're touting, and, and anybody that's lived here very long, do you know we're a destination point for all over the world almost? 56,000 children of God are going to move into this area in the next 10 years. Just laborers, just children of God. God's kids are moving here. 56,000 people are going to have to go to church somewhere. But the reality is God's also sending them as laborers, as helpers, as workers, because we have a lot more than that in this valley who don't know Jesus. So if they come, they're coming as laborers. They're coming to help out with the harvest. We're like Peter and Andrew in the boat calling for James and John because the boat's getting too full. You know, come on, let's fill our boats, let's fill our nets. And look what this says. Follow me, Jesus says, because I have to make you something. None of us do this naturally as a rule. He has to make us become something. So what Susie and I are saying, this is the process where God begins to make us become something. What are we becoming? Fishers of man. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not easy. It's like Susie said, it can get stinky. But the reality is, Jesus said this in the book of John. I tell you all these things that my joy might be in you. And that your joy might be full. And he said that in John 15 when he said, any branch in me that does not bear fruit, I cut off and I burn. Now what you got to understand in the book of John 15, that's not talking about an individual. Because if you as an individual don't bear fruit, Jesus doesn't send you to hell and burn you up. So that's not good Bible to say, hey, look here, if you don't bear bear fruit as an individual, God's going to cut you off from the body of Christ and burn you. It's talking about a collective whole as the body of believers. We as a church are the branch and bride of Christ. And the reality is that churches that don't become fishers of men ultimately just fade away. If you've lived long enough as a Christian... Churches that don't become fishers of men fade away. So, God is, we're in this process. Uh, of course, I'd like to become a better fisherman. I think we
1: should all come. Wearing, wearing waders next oh, mm, week. <laughs>
0: Have fishing Sunday. Fishing pole. Fish in Sunday next week, waders and, and fishing and vests.
1: How many feel intimidated a little bit by this? That we're asking you to go fishing for people?
0: How many of you are intimidated to raise your hand right now? <laughs>
1: See, I feel an excitement in the spirit. I feel like God's excited. I feel like he's saying, I, if you will do this, I will move on your behalf. And mm-hmm. I will put people in place so that you can talk to them and they can get to know me.
0: It is so fun.
1: Let's go ahead and stand. Uh, mm-hmm. Lori, I'm going to ask you to sing that last song that we sang. I, I'm going to pray right now. And I'm going to pray that God gives you uh, his heart. Like he's given Ralph and I. That you have a mother's and father's heart. And you will see those people that are out there that are broken, that are lonely. They have no idea what marriage is about. They have no idea what it means to have more than one generation that serves the Lord. They have no idea what it means to not be addicted to something. Uh, That Jesus can be their hope and their life. So I'd like you to just put your hand on your heart right now.
0: Susie, I'd like to add one to this. I had a born-again Christian come to me and say, my kids have been in Christian schools all their life. They're getting ready to go into middle school. I would love to talk to your people about how did they go through public school and stay Christians? You have so much to give. Every aspect of your life is gold. And people want to know, even Christians want to know, how did you guys do public school? What a testimony for them. What an encouragement for them that your kids didn't go away into the abyss and die. Parents want to know this, and Christians are going to be moving here wanting to know how you've got good schools. I I want to put them in public school, but can they make it? And you're going to say, why? Yeah, with Jesus, your kid can do anything. And you're going to give them encouragement and heart. So there's all sorts of ways you're going to lean in and help build people up. Susie, go ahead and lead us.
1: Heavenly Father, we just give you our hearts today.
0: Yes, Father God.
1: I wonder how many times I have said to you, I surrender to this and then never been disappointed God that you would give us hearts of mothers and fathers that we would see the lonely people in our world the people that are desperate for you and that we would answer this commission we would go we would speak we would witness We would take this serious that every morning, God, when we wake up that we will commit ourselves to saying, Jesus, guide me today and show me the people that you want me to talk to. Have them open up. God, let me not force it, but let it be so obvious to me that this person needs you and they're looking for an answer. Put me in that place, God. Give me boldness to speak about Jesus Christ in a world that wants to keep his name silent.